Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Bobby Burns. And I'm Paul Sexton. Around the world and into your home, the stories that touch your life. This is Wayward Weekly. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 11. Um, Paul, I didn't want to start this podcast. Uh, I didn't want to start talking to you (laughs) before... We started the podcast because then we just go into topics. So I know this is really lame, but you asked me how my breakfast was, and I, I don't know what <laughs> I said. <laughs> and I said, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Why? Uh, I went to a place called Earth Cafe. U-R-T-H. Earth. U-R-T-H. Earth. Wow. <laughs> and that's how my breakfast was, Paul. Uh, it took wow. 50 minutes to get my food uh, and well, to get our food. And then they forgot my food. Um, and like, I don't know, it was just complete chaos. $17 for uh, some natural bread with prosciutto. What is natural cheese. bread? I don't fucking know, dude. Anyways. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my breakfast. Uh, from Earth Cafe. Why did you go to the Earth Cafe? That's where Sarah wanted to go with her parents. They all wanted to meet up for, oh, okay. for breakfast. So, that's so is it went. supposed to be like healthier or like vegan or something? Yeah, I guess there are a few vegan options on there and I guess it's supposed to be healthier. I don't know. It just, it was very like gimmicky. Yeah. It well, was, I was, I, we're in Hawthorne, California and you're paying like $17 for a poached egg on a piece of bread with some prosciutto. Wow. Yeah. Was it like crowded though? Yeah. I mean, it's like really. a popular place. Hey, I mean, it huh. seems like it. Yeah. It seems like people are driving out of the woodworks to go there, but it wasn't that crowded. So kind of a hipster joint. I yeah, mean, a lot of those places, the most hipster joint you've ever been to. Well, in a lot of those places too, like it is kind of a facade, you know, the whole organic thing and all that. It's all written by lawyers. So <laughs> is it really? It Wait, be, what? Well, I mean, the, the yeah, the laws in order to conform to an organic standard, um, it doesn't mean that they're not using pesticides. They're just not using synthetic pesticides. So it doesn't mean that it's necessarily good for you. Yeah, uh, yeah and that's why, I mean, even going to Trader Joe's, which is my go-to typically, and people will t- talk to me about the virtues of going to Trader Joe's and how healthy I'm being. And yet, if you look at their prepackaged meals, you'll see the same shit in there, canola oil and all that. Sure, yeah. it may be better than something like an Albertsons, but it's they're not using better ingredients necessarily. They're still watching their costs. So, I mean, you just have to keep an eye out for, for that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, uh, a family member of mine was talking to me about uh, she only... Uh, buys locally grown produce and I'm like well the Trader Joe's around me if they buy locally uh, bought produce it could very well just be right next to the freeway so it's just covered in brake dust and debris (laughs) and I mean I'm not joking so when people say locally sourced what does that mean is it better to have it you know grown on the side of a Peruvian mountainside and then transported here in a sealed truck or is it better to have you know something that's locally grown right next to the freeway that's covered in you know growing in a smog induced environment and covered in brake dust and all that crap so it's just keywords, but it leads to sales and Trader Joe's. I think they make still uh, more per square foot in their stores than any other store in the United States. Yeah. And so their get, marketing campaign works. You get equally fat off of a bag of chips from Trader Joe's as you do from Ralph's. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, anyway, so a word of caution. 
What a, uh, I don't know, man. How do you feel about, uh, you stay off social media, but you've been on Twitter, I feel like, and you've been sending me so many fucking Twitter links that I can't even, I can't, (laughs) I can't keep up emotionally. I'm on it. I'm, I'm being honest. Like you send it and I start reading it and I'm just like, I know one of the guys you sent me was satire, but like, I feel like I, I just don't have the tolerance to sit through and like read half of the stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? Well, it's impossible to, you you can't like half the stuff that, that gets sent to me. Like people just keep sending me stuff like, like satire and support of what I think or against what I think. And like, yeah, dude, I I feel like I'm just done. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, I, I don't, I feel like, um, uh, are you familiar with the term decision fatigue? Yeah. Do they go over that at all in um, like law school? I don't recall them going through. Okay. Because I remember there is like a famous study done and I won't be able to quote who it was or if it's been replicated or what. But it was like highlighting that uh, judges are more likely to grant parole in the evenings. I'm sorry, in the mornings than they are in the afternoons. Um, Yes. It has to do with lunch. Yeah. Oh, it has to do with lunch. Okay. So I remember hearing it being attributed to something like decision fatigue. Like they're just more likely to consider information in the morning. And as they go on Mm -hmm. and have to consider more and more things, they just get tired of it. And that's what I, where I feel like I'm at right now. I feel like the last week, anything that has been given to me has not influenced me very much at all because I'm just worn out. Yeah, well, then that's what I was uh, telling you about my experience jumping back onto social media. And I've just, you know, I still continue my hikes. I I do my thing and I see stuff on there. But I just realized that a lot of the people that are posting like outlandish stuff on there, they're really not trying to change any minds. They're basically just, you know, doing what someone would do on the freeway if they get cut off. They just start flipping off the other person. The other person may just have their head up their ass, so they don't even know they've cut you off, and now you're getting flipped off, and it's not changing any minds. You've just now ruined two days. Yeah. So you may feel justified in flipping someone off, but you're not changing the rhetoric. So the same thing continues to happen, and I did start to feel actually a little angry and kind of down because I was looking at Twitter every single day just for, you know, the podcast purposes and all of that, where I haven't been on social media for 10 years, but it's given me insight now because I now realize why people are so angry. They're seeing the worst shit over and over and over again. And what they typically do, you all go into various social circles. And if let's say you go into a conservative circle they're all spouting the same exact thing like globalism, communism, socialism. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. And then someone will come in there as a Democrat and basically just say, fuck you, you're all racist. And ah, like everyone just flips the fuck out. And then you go into democratic circles and it's like, well, there's systemic racism. Uh, everyone on the right is a racist. They're rigging the system against you. We need more regulation. And then someone comes in there and they're like, maggot, fuck you. And then everyone's like, wow, what the hell? And so you you go out into normal society all of a sudden and you assume that anyone wearing a MAGA hat or anyone that's wearing a Joe Biden t-shirt 
is all of a sudden that person you're seeing on Twitter. So your blood starts to fucking boil. You just get upset and you, you know, like with the protests and everything that are going on right now, I've seen uh, conservative groups going out there with Trump flags. Yeah. Like you're not trying to change anyone's mind. No. You're just like, I just want to fucking piss them off because <laughs> yeah. I'm already yeah, pissed. Exactly. And so I have to take breaks sometimes and just, and just internalize and realize that we have not adjusted to this environment. For the longest time, you had large media groups like CBS, ABC, NBC, and they were our news sources, and we all watched the same thing on the left and the right. And now... You can be your own media source. You can be your own blogger. You know, you you can follow a bunch of different outlets and there and everyone has an equal voice. They can say whatever they want. Now, I, I know a lot of conservatives will say that's not true because they're being banned and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and there's some truth to that. But for the most part, you can basically say and do whatever you want. But it's not substantive most of the time. It's very rare that you find something that is um, ideologically centered and nuanced. Mm -hmm. So we live in a constant state of anger and fear. And it's because we live in these isolated bubbles. We don't want to get to understand the other side, which is why the government continues to do the same things over and over and over again, because we're divided. They just say, this is what you need to be mad at. Listen to Tucker Carlson. Look at these liberals. Look at these extreme examples. Be pissed. And then everyone gets pissed, but they don't try to understand the other side. And I lived that existence up until about the age of 25, where, you know, I'd watch Fox News every single day. And people like Democrats would get so upset at me and just call me a fool, a racist, a bigot, like all of this kind of stuff. And... I wasn't willing to try and understand them and they weren't willing to understand me. So I went back to my, my comfort blanket, my safe space, Fox news, and they would just tell me basically how to think like with yeah. examples, quick examples, Bill Maher, he's on HBO. He has real time on HBO. It's a left leaning show. Uh, he's not ex like far to the left. And then shows like the daily show with Jon Stewart. I refused to watch those shows because Fox news would basically take clips. They would take them out of context. They put them on screen and I would freak out, yeah. but they guaranteed that I was going to be watching each and every day. So if you're getting your news from a source like CNN or MSNBC or Fox news, I mean, you're living in a bubble and you're just going to think the world's falling apart and you're going to think that the other side is this evil, you know, malignant group of people that are out to get you. And of course, you know, anxiety levels are up, like we're pissed off, like we're wanting to burn shit down. I mean, both sides are protesting right now, you know? You mean like people are protesting against Black Lives Matters now or... Well, just in general, I mean, before the uh, George Floyd incident, uh, you remember I covered oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yes. conservative, yeah, the, the freedom I movement. See what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't but we, thinking but, about it like that. I think our biggest problem is we're not trying to sympathize with with either group or either side. Sure, I that mean, there is was, there's something we talked about last week too. Is like yeah. trying trying to understand, and um, <clears throat> it's it's hard because. Again, like I can sit here and say I understand where it comes from, but I can still get immediately emotionally frustrated when I see some of the things and I understand where they come from. And logically, I also understand that me reacting and saying something 
probably is not going to make a difference. And so it's almost like we comment for the sake of like self-satisfaction and the comments in our own heads, right? Like we always have little yeah. dialogues back and forth. You drive to work and you think about what you would have said to somebody or what you would have done to somebody. If I, if I, if I just could have said this, like that would have changed the whole thing. And it's like, it's what we do. Somebody says something, you're like, I'm going to say this. And then they're not going to have something to say. And then they say something else fucking stupid. And then you say something else that's fucking stupid. And then <laughs> like, it just keeps going back and forth and we don't ever really get the point across. We just make ourselves feel good. And I, I just, I see it so much. I keep seeing these. And I actually saw somebody, finally have the same point as me with this and not that I'm saying my idea is completely unique and original um, I just don't think I got it from anybody but I keep seeing people um, on the side that I don't disagree with or let's say just people who tend to be further than to the right um, posting things saying like look here's why you're wrong. Here's why racism, you know, isn't the issue here, or here's why we need to look at things a little bit differently. Um, and, and we need to really stop thinking about race. And then it'll be like, uh, Dr. Lowry, an African American says this. And it's like, well, wait, why is that important? If you just wanted to stop talking (laughs) about race, why did you bring it into it? And then it's like, the the point of this is like we just get so emotionally frustrated um, and we we just say things to make ourselves feel good and we see things and we're like well that's stupid and the other we we say it or we point it out because it sounds like it feels good to us but it's not going to prove a point to the other side and I think that's why I'm feeling a little bit exhausted um, about this whole situation, which I mean, look, let's be honest, in some ways it's good, right? Because this week I took to a different outlet as opposed to writing on social media. It, it started out as, uh, attempting to write on social media. Um, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to publish this. Like there's, there's no point in me pushing this out, um, what I'm, what I'm thinking right now, if all I'm going to get, what I was trying to push out was a a list of possible solutions. And I, I'm like, okay, what do I really expect to happen with this? Do I expect everyone to go, Oh my God, I never thought of it like that. You're so smart. Let's change the world. And everyone goes, yeah, implement these. And then like three weeks from now, like the world's a different place and we're all better because of it. That would be the most idealistic, best outcome ever. But that's not going to happen. Okay. Well, especially on social media. Yeah. Especially on social media. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, do I think that my action is going to do that with social media? And the answer is no. Okay. So what could come from it? Well, maybe a few people who I disagree with begin to change their tunes a little bit or say, okay, you know what? Maybe these are some solutions I can get behind. And I look at that and go they are going to immediately read what I see and disagree with them because that's exactly what I do. And and I'm not saying that's good and I'm not saying that's what we should do. I just read these things and immediately something strikes me off about it because everything is written with a bias. And so that's why in the first paragraph or two paragraphs of something, of reading it, that, I, that something strikes me 
something strikes in me where I'm just like, ugh, like I don't, I don't like this. I don't like the fact that they just said this whole thing is about getting rid of race and not seeing that shit anymore. And then they said he's an African American. Like you're fucking literally thinking I'm that dumb. And it's like, they're not thinking you're that dumb. They're literally doing the same thing you're doing. They're trying to write logically and put their emotions aside and get through to somebody but it's just me who's reading it and interpreting like that. And we're, look, we're all just so emotionally charged. Uh, the point was, is um, maybe some good things have come from it because I decided to start writing and not post it on social media. I sent it to one person who had requested it and I got absolutely zero response back from them. Um, you know, they said, I'd, I'd love, they were sort of against what I was saying. And I was like, well, I've got lots of solutions. And they're like, I'd love to hear them. So I personally emailed them or, or messaged message them and not a peep, not even a, Oh, interesting. I'll give it a read or this or that. Like they're very vocal and adamant about what I had to say. And then as soon as I sent a two page, a page and a half, you know, set of ideas of, of solutions, it was chirp, chirp, dead silence. Um, Well, that's because we're, we're just getting information in piecemeal fashion. Like we're, we're getting to a point now where we don't like to take the, long approach to reading information that may be counter to our perspective, but takes a while to consume. It's just like, well, I'm already going to assume because it's from this person that they already disagree. It's just going to be a bunch of liberal bullshit. So I'm not going to give it the time of day because it's much more exciting to find people online that already think like you and confirm your worldview. You know, um, there's something interesting about that, right? Because, uh, like I've posted things before, even recently where I'm like, I just go on a rant. Okay. And then I'm like, I know what's going to come from it. I'm going to get some agreement and I'm going to get some disagreement. And you know what? It turns out that I'm looking for the disagreement a little more than I'm looking for the agreement. Oh yeah, I I yeah, posted because there's nothing, and most people agreed with me, and I was like, "Damn it, where are all those people? Why like they're all silent now? The people who I was hoping would respond, like I didn't care about the positive posts, the people patting me on the back. I cared that the negative responders weren't responding negatively or weren't responding at all, and it wasn't it wasn't satisfying. Yeah. And it's like, well, what is that about me? Um, and what does that say about all of us and the, and, and, you know, how we're approaching this situation? And I know everybody's different, but we are all also similar and the same. So, yeah, but at the same time though, you never know, you could have had people that have just blocked your page now. I mean, I've just realized that, you know, that's a possibility yeah, that I've started doing if people that don't people, <laughs> yeah, where you block, you know, you block people's page because you just don't want to hear it anymore, yeah. but it's so easy to do online and just block stuff. Um, and it's harder to have a discussion online because it's just through text. Like you're not one-on-one with the person. Like I've kind of had the thought that it'd be kind of nice if they had, uh, almost like, you know, a church type of forum where there's someone at the front and not in a religious sense, but having someone at the front that just says, Hey, uh, this is a community. It's open to the community itself. Uh, and we welcome all different ideas and we're just going to talk about subjects that are tough. And, but you have to be there in person. There's no zooming in or skyping in. You have to, you know, and it's one at a time. You can shake your head and everything, but we have to maintain discourse. And yeah. everyone will have an equal opportunity to speak and do that on, you know, uh, 
uh, a larger basis, you know, have multiple areas where that can occur. But, and I think that might, uh, help bridge the gap in some of these uh, situations because we, we have become a hyperbolic uh, culture. Like I said, you know, the right is like concerned about globalism. I mean, talk about a fucking impossibility. I mean, we tried imposing democracy in Iraq. Like, look how well that worked. They were like, like they first of all they didn't take to it and second of all we probably probably made more enemies than we did make friends yeah and they're looking at the autonomous zone in, in seattle and they're like see it's the first step to globalism you think that hillary clinton is going to rise again and unite muslim nations hindu nations uh europe china like all of these disparate countries that have differing views and they're going to unite under one world order but then the left does the same exact thing where they have their fear-based mechanism. And so we just look at the, the other person as the other. as yeah. you know. But then you talk to them in person and you can connect on a million other topics. So, but there's always a one topic where you have a difference. And typically you can get over that because you value the other ways in which you can connect with that person. So the point of contention, contention, it's still there, but it's minimal to the other ways in which you can connect with this individual. So is that good or bad though? Like, would you rather see someone's true reality and what they think, or would you rather see them sort of be faking on the surface? Like I'm, I'm, I want to know. Would you want to know? So why is it better than that? We're talking in person where we hide all of this shit. Okay. So like I, um, was at the 99 cent store two weeks ago. Maybe, maybe it was last weekend actually. And, um, the lady in front of me, I, I don't know. Oh, she was older and she couldn't get her groceries out of her cart. So I started helping her and then she started talking to me and she's being really slow. And the cashier lady's like, all right, hurry up. Like, come on. And then, um, you know, this and that. And then she goes, uh, she checks out and she goes, thank you, dear, blah, blah, blah to the, to the lady. And then she goes, so, you know, uh, you're, you're not going to get your vaccine, right? And, uh, I'm like still talking to the, the cashier and she's like, sir, you're, you're not going to get your vaccine. Right. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And, and she goes, I didn't say like that. We were, I was like, Oh no, what are you talking about? And she goes, you know, your, your COVID vaccine, when they come out with that, uh, that's, that's Bill Gates and he's trying to track you there. And you know, you know that, don't you, <laughs> they're going to insert microchips into you so that they can follow you everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I love that shit. God, I'm so amused God warned it. about this. And I was just like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and she's like, oh yeah, they're putting it in all the vaccines because Bill Gates wants to track where you are. And they talk about it in the Bible. Um, you know, this is, this is the second coming. Uh, and you know, you, you better be careful so that you can go to heaven or something. And I keep my nice face on and go, oh, um, yeah, no. Okay. I haven't heard about that. Like I'll, I'll just let other people test the, the vaccine first. I'm not, you know, I'm not too worried about that. I'll just get it next year or something after a few people have tried it out. And she's like, no, no, no. It's now she's trying to explain to me. No, no, no. It's because there's a microchip in the vaccine. You're not listening to me. <laughs> I'm just like trying to yeah. blow her off. So, so I'm like, should I be that person? He's like, wait, what? And she's like, you know, there's a vaccine. I'm like, wait, so you mean Bill Gates, the guy who invented my phone right here. Okay. Uh, and all the stuff in it thinks it's easier to invent a disease and make microscopic chips 
then well, how is he going to implement with a vaccine and inject it into everybody's blood, even uh, though most people don't want to do it, and now people are dying off? Then just fucking create an application uh, for your phone to track you. Could you imagine being in a board meeting and all of a sudden Bill Gates like, "Hey guys, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I've got an idea." Like, especially in this liberal woke environment and everything. Like, could you imagine, like, Papa John, the Papa John guy used the N-word one time and he lost everything. Could you imagine if Bill Gates was in a big board meeting with all these liberal executives and everything? You know, Hillary Clinton must be sitting there with him. And he's just like, I got an idea. We're going to start tracking people. We're going to do it to the poorer nations first. They're not going to see it coming. And we're going to do population control. And then we're going to try and kill off, like, you know, big swaths of people. And they're like, Bill, you're going to be dead in 20 years. Why would we, why would you do this now? Why didn't you do this? Like, you know, 50 years ago when you still had youth and you could actually see this come to fruition. (laughs) Well, because I'm Satan and I have technology because I'm going to, uh, I'm going to like, it just becomes this craziness. But the thing is though, is that there are so many people that are, uh, bought into this notion. I know that I'm, I'm laughing at it, making fun of it, but like it it becomes so crazy. Like I'm actually watching a a documentary right now that is geared towards that conspiracy that was sent to me uh, about Bill Gates. And it is so pieced together and lacking in substance. Like it's just, basically a fear mechanism but there's no there like i've uh read about bill gates like you read about um what was the uh the book outliers where Mm -hmm. malcolm gladwell basically talks about bill gates putting in ten thousand hours they left out the part they basically said that his mom just got him the job at uh ibm he stole a bunch of code he doesn't know what the hell he's doing he creates failed systems and he just learned how to make money off of it but they left out the part where he was sitting there at school alone working on these huge mainframes from like midnight till six in the morning yeah we're a 15 year old kid yeah, at a time when IBM, the president of IBM, had said that there will never be a need for the personal computer. And he was working on these large mainframes. And, you know, everyone at the time was saying there will never be a personal PC. Well, and know, he happened to Malcolm, be in the right place. Malcolm Gladwell's half uh, black, so he's probably liberal and in on the whole thing with Bill Gates. That, and that's that's the thing. That's why it's so easy. That's why to, he wrote that book. He spent all that time and all that energy yeah, to help cover up Bill Gates. It's a it's a self fulfilling prophecy. And let me just put it to you this way: Like I said, I've been going over these uh, Facebook transcripts, so I get to see all this metadata and all this stuff. And there, some of them are like forty to fifty thousand pages each. So I'm not reading every page because that's impossible. So I have to search through these documents. So let me put it to you this way: About tracking, I sent you an article what was it, a week or two ago, where uh, they basically laid out all of the countries that are already doing facial recognition. Right, yes, I saw Every single country three except countries for three have banned, have banned it. it. Yes. Exactly. So facial recognition is already occurring here, okay? Now, you couple that with your mobile data from your cell phone, and all of these individuals that are claiming Bill Gates is a conspiracist all have cell phones that they are well aware of. You know, They're aware that they're being tracked. And... When you go to the doctor, the doctors will basically record that they issued a vaccine at a particular time. And then they'll report that so that the government can keep track of like, okay, well, how many vaccines are being issued for the flu? That kind of stuff. All right. But it won't list your name because there are privacy laws. But if there's facial recognition in mobile data and that vaccine is time stamped, they know that you've been fucking vaccinated if they wanted to know. Yeah. 
so they could put all that together. You don't need this mass conspiracy. And I saw the other day where... But a conspiracy theorist hears what you're saying and goes, that's a conspiracy. And it's like, uh, it just is so much less of a reach than what you're piecing together. Costs less money. Yeah, it's already there. The technology's there. Another thing I don't get is that like these people are so afraid of that, yet they're like, Edward Snowden's a traitor and he should be, he should be hung. And, uh, you know, we should go to Moscow and find him and bring him back and persecute him. Wait, wait, wait. So the guy who like doxed the government essentially, uh, and, and, uh, you know, blew the whistle and said, Hey, they're fucking lying to you and taking and collecting all of your data and looking at all of it. And they say they only do it in this and that, but they're not doing that. You can search anything you want and people are watching you through your computer whenever they feel like it they just sign into it you don't like that guy but bill gates is speaking out about vaccines and he's trying to track you so so your own government's actually doing this and you know for a fact that yeah. your own government's doing this and you don't give a shit and well i think they give a shit about that who, now too told you and gave you proof yeah but the people who theorize about bill gates with no hard evidence whatsoever and demonize him we should listen to those people and kill Bill Gates. Yeah. Well, and they're saying eugenics and all that. And, um, you know, eugenics has uh, positive aspects and obviously negative aspects with uh, Nazi Germany and their approach to eugenics, even Planned Parenthood. Um, they've uh, practiced forms of eugenics back in the day and still, I guess, you know, still practice a form of, of eugenics today. Uh, but they have this fear of it. Um, and the thing is, is it's all biblically based, right? Like their, their conspiracy about Bill Gates is it's fulfilling the biblical um, claim that globalism is going to take over, which will cause the rapture and the eventual end of human life on earth itself. So those that believe will be taken up to heaven and the rest of us will be left here to either give in and um, find our love for Jesus. Otherwise, the rest of us, if we don't, um, you know, find our love for Jesus, then we'll essentially be, you know, tortured for eternity. We'll live in hell sort of thing. So it's it's a biblical philosophy. And like you're saying, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so they're they're basically looking for globalism everywhere. But the thing that they're but these positions oftentimes have blind spots, like with uh, Christianity has practiced eugenics for a very very long time. But they would say, oh well, they interpreted the Bible incorrectly. Yeah, and you just have to go back to like it was just celebrated uh, the seminal case for anti miscegenation laws, and. Uh, miscegenation is just interracial marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prior to 1967, you weren't allowed to, uh, a white person was not allowed to marry anyone from the mongrel race. And that's what they called it. It, The mongrel race was anyone that was non-white. And in 1967, they struck down that law. Basically in Virginia, you, a white person could not marry a black person. Christianity condoned this. If you look at the court case on there, the district judge used biblical justification for him imposing it was either they served 25 years in prison for a black woman marrying a white man or they had to flee the state forever. And this went up. But what he said was that God put uh, the various races on separate continents for a reason. And but for our 
intermingling the races, this never would have happened. That was the modern Christian view. That is a form of eugenics. You're saying that people of different races cannot get together. It was to maintain the the purity of the white race. Yeah, but Paul, so you have to, that was fifty years ago. That was well. So that's what they'll say is that now, they like, interpret it. Yeah, yeah. They say I, that they interpreted it wrong and that they were wrong to do so. So I would be like, you, okay. So then why would we yeah. believe any modern day interpretations? Because I mean, literally. The biblical interpretations throughout time have been wrong. You look at slavery. You well, know, everyone says it's on the right that we're a Christian nation originally, and I would agree. So Christians have been for things like slavery, not allowing women to vote, even in the liberal state of California. It wasn't until 1975 that women had equal management rights of the home with their husband. Uh, you know, I think I mentioned uh, segregation, gay rights issues, all of this stuff, and continually uh, we've looked to reform Christians reforming themselves over time. So we have to basically, it's been the fault of Christians, but at the same exact time, we have to thank Christians because many of them have reformed. But the problem is, is that they have been continually wrong over time. And in that time that they're wrong, lives have been lost. I mean, you know, imagine making a biblical, a wrong biblical interpretation, and then someone is enslaved for their entire life. Yeah. And they live and die never being a free human being. Right. And then we later, you know, reinterpret the Bible and we're like, oops, sorry about that. <laughs> but they, they can sleep at night because yeah. they're all in heaven. Yeah. They're all in heaven, supposedly, you know. Yeah. And, and and this is going to come off is, is very contentious. And I know s some listeners are going to be like, well, these people are just anti-Christian, like, you know, fuck these guys. Like, they're supposed to be balanced. They're supposed to be bringing us together. And yet... You know, Paul's just listing all of the problems with Christianity, but that's the part of nuance. And my position with Christianity is we shouldn't restrict it or, or stop people from holding ideas. But if, if you look at the past 10 years, religious followings have decreased on average about 12%. And the reason is, is because it's, it's, information is moving faster due to Moore's law. And correct me if I'm wrong, Moore's law basically says that the amount of information that can fit on a computer transistor doubles each and every year. Correct. Right? Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, so basically the speed at which information travels is happening much quicker than religion can keep up. And I'll use another example of Iran. You look at the Iranian people, they're now getting American media illegally because the government is having trouble restricting all of that. And so it's liberalizing part of their, uh, their, their base, their population. And it's leading to a, an uprise with some of those younger populations. And it's because they're seeing information that wasn't available to them before. And my thing with Christianity is it does a lot of good for a lot of people. It brings purpose. It brings meaning. It brings happiness. Uh, and it brings people together uh, for a common purpose, um, and that is to serve God. But the problem is, is that since it's not keeping pace with the way the information is flowing, they're going to end up killing their own religion. You, meaning, you know, in the next 20 years, if it's just like the last 10 years, Christianity will drop 
precipitously. And then it'll get to a point, and this is where I fear, that Democrats, liberals are going to do to Christians what Christians have traditionally done uh, to minority well, people groups. People are already arguing that that's happening. People are saying it is. that Democrats it is. are doing that to Christians, that Democrats they are, are. are doing that to racists. Um, yes, and, and it's not right. It's not right. I love free flow of information. I mean, I remember my uh, a coworker of mine, I was a supervisor, and she said, um, I hate white people. To me. Like she, she honestly, she treated me like absolute shit. She yeah. was uh, in her early 20s. I think I was in my late 20s at that point. So, you know, going through law school, supervising. I was more stressed out as it is. And she acted like a petulant child. Yeah. You know, constantly condescending, not listening to me, all this kind of stuff. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, reprimand her. I was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So one of these days, I, one day I, she, we were in the office together and it was just her and I. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I'm like, what's going on? And she just was honest with me. She's like, she's like, I just don't like white people. And I was like, I was like, well, then you're no different than the white racist that you've come to loathe. And she paused and she paused for probably like five seconds and didn't respond. She was just like, it was like this, this perspective that she had never heard before and from that point on, we never had an issue again. She just never realized that she was blindly characterizing someone based upon skin color right. and never thinking that she was becoming the people or the type of person that she hates. Right. So, so it's about what's bridging going the gap. on is like people feel like other people are just saying because you're white, you automatically are judging the color of, of, or, hmm. I'm, I'm trying to understand what this whole, like, anti-racists are racists movement thing is about. Like, they're talking about reverse racism, basically that, that, you know, they'll call, uh, right wingers racist. Uh-huh. And then they'll use something like white privilege, which white privilege basically says, oh, wow, congratulations on all of your success. But it didn't it didn't result from hard work. It's because you're white and you're privileged and everyone gave you a pass. Right. That's like the N word for white people. I mean, we've been called honkies and crackers. I, mean, I would and disagree that, with you. <laughs> you it, it doesn't. What do you mean? It doesn't have the same emotional effect at all. Like, oh, why do white people get so pissed off? Because they lose their shit. Yeah, they do lose their shit, but it doesn't affect them in the same way. Okay. Um, I agree because of history and historical differences. I agree with you there, but the emotion behind it is the same. Right? Like the reason why we don't get mad at Honky and Cracker is because we don't have a history of being oppressed. So we're like, who cares? Right. But then you say white privilege and you say all my hard work over my whole entire life means nothing, that I didn't earn anything. And I don't think that that uh, helps either side. I think that just serves to divide. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I just I think it's 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 a just more of a divisive type of rhetoric that won't serve either side. Yeah. You know, I, I want to go back. OK, so like 15 or 20 minutes ago, I mentioned that lady at the store Um the reason I brought her up and kind of what I, I want to explore with you or what I want to figure out is like, you know, you were saying 
in person, we don't behave the same way we do on the internet. Yeah. But so I was not behaving the same way I behave on the internet. I kind of didn't be like, lady, what are you talking about? Like if, if I approached her the same way I approach other people on that, I would have started LOLing laughing out loud in her face and, and been like, wait, what you think? And said all the things I just said to you, that doesn't even make sense. So what my question is, is you're saying like, you know, the internet's kind of this bad thing and we misbehave on there and we do things we wouldn't do in public. But my question is, so was that good the way I interacted with that lady then? I just let her speak up, have her opinion, get yeah. reinforced, feel like she educated a bunch of people, look at the cashier and we both look wide-eyed like she's crazy and then just go about our day. Is that what we should do? Or, and is that what that lady should have done so we can all just be happy? Or should she have said it like she did so I can know that there are crazy people out there and should I have said something else so she doesn't think that I believe her and she knows that people are out there who disagree with you who to her probably appear equally as crazy. And I understand that as well, that had I spoken up, she would have been like, well, that guy's clearly an idiot and doesn't know anything about this earth. Stupid young millennials not understanding anything and just trusting everybody. So like... What I wanted to get back to was you kind of, you know, made this statement that we don't behave the same way. And like the, the, the internet is like the wild west and everyone's just being so fucking chaotic and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sort of arguing like, I don't know. We're getting to see people's true thoughts and feelings. Like I thought those things to her, but I just didn't say them. Shouldn't I put those things out there? Well, it's really just a matter of the time that you have to spend. I mean, the reason why you probably didn't say anything is because you knew that it would turn into uh, an hour-long conversation. Uh, but I do think that if you if you did have the time, let's say you did want to engage, I find that it's much better instead of stating your point, you know, and saying like, oh, well, vaccine science and uh, there's no evidence of tracking and all. Instead of telling her why she's wrong, find ways of asking her questions to where she can't defend her point anymore. Like I find yeah. a lot of times when I talk with people, both Democrats and Republicans that are very partisan, they get to a point where they don't have a rebuttal. This is your and lawyer training coming in. <laughs> It's almost like, yeah, cross-examination. You, you kind of lead them through their train of logic, and then it gets up to a point where their logic sort of runs out. Sure, Socratic Where they realize, yeah, where they realize they have a blind spot. It's just like with um, Trump and what he did to, um, he, you know, pepperballed the protesters outside of the White House so that he could... Uh, basically just stand there with a Bible and everything and have a photo op opportunity. And if you're Democrat, it's all, you know, oh my God, how could he do this? And then if you're Republican, it's like, well, he's just a man of Christ and, you know, he's serving God and he's just, shouldn't he's have a, been protesting. Yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have been protesting. And what I saw online was the the main excuse was, you know, the, the protesters were warned three different times before uh, the police officers, the National Guard engaged with these individuals. 
So the way I would counter something like that is to be like, well, well, okay, like with the protesters that uh, I went and I visited when I was up at the Sacramento Capitol, let's say Gavin Newsom was in that building, okay? Mm -hmm. And he's out there looking at all of these right-wing protesters and he's like, you know what? This is making me look bad. I I need to stage something for my, to get my own base rallied up. So he tells the police, like, hey, warn them three times and then do what you need to do to clear them out. So the police go down there. Of course, the protesters aren't going to move. Like, they've been given the right to protest where they're at. Like, they're given the space to. It's a a constitutional right. So they go ahead and they, you know, uh, send out gas. They pepperball them. The crowd disperses. And then Gavin Newsom walks down the central square. And he's just trotting and everything. There's media around him and there's police officers and, you know, he's looking like a tough guy. And then he walks down, you know, a few hundred yards to the local Planned Parenthood and then stands out there with an abortion manual. And the reporters are like, sir, is that your abortion manual? And he's like, it's a abortion manual. (laughs) Do you think for one fucking second that the conservatives would be like, well, you know, he has his right and we (laughs) were warned three times. (laughs) We were warned three times. But that, but that, see, that's what I mean, where we, we have an inability to, to put ourselves in other people's position and then to try and sympathize with, uh, with other individuals. So we live in this world where it's like, well, we wouldn't want that done to us, but you know, it's okay if it's done to the other side and what we, and it's working to divide us as Americans and we're forgetting that there's unity in being Americans. Like I saw, um, my brother and I were talking the other day. And I mentioned, I'm like, uh, I heard a a screeching sound and it reminded me of the screeching sounds that I heard during 9-11 because those uh, firefighters wore something called a pass device. And basically, if a firefighter becomes immobilized for a certain period of time, that device activates and it gives off a ping noise of Mm -hmm. 95 decibels. Mm -hmm. And I still get goosebumps when I hear a sound that's similar to that because it, it takes me back to that moment when we were in fear and we'd been attacked and everything was covered in rubble. Firefighters looked like ghosts because they were covered in soot, like everyone was running. But I also remember, too, the unity of Americans at that point in time. It didn't matter if you're a Democrat. It didn't matter if you're a Republican. We came together and we we loved one another and everyone was flying a flag. And that's the type of thing that we need. Like, you know, Democrats and Republicans are basically saying the same thing. The government isn't working for us anymore. Economics isn't, you know, it's not what it used to be. Manufacturing has gone overseas. Uh, Americans are losing out and they just have differing opinions. But if we could unite more, we could actually change the politicians that are currently maintaining the status quo and maybe we could get something done. But instead, we're just this divisive nation. We have condemnation for an opposing thought or opposing view. We take things out of context. We think if you look at something like, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, if you're a supporter of that, then the other side, like you were saying last time, they kind of like, oh, all lives matter. And we we kind of miss the point. It's like, you know, I was watching actually a video today called Cops and Race with a guy named uh, Glenn uh, Lowry. It's a, and it was a, a couple of black professors, one from Columbia and one from Brown. And they had a very nuanced position on race relations and why, you know, things happen and that it's not always race and we need to wait and we need to see. 
And they're absolutely right. And neither side waits. Like if something happens, uh, like what happened, uh, to George Lloyd, Mm -hmm. we automatically assume it's because of race. And they were basically saying like, we don't know enough about the facts to know that there might be that possibility that was race motivated, but that's what's so important about the legal system is that it takes all of the facts, it puts it before a jury and then the jury will decide. But we decide as a society before that ever even happens. And I'm not saying that we should water down the process. I'm just saying that living in a world of absolutes where everything is racism and everything is systemic racism, there is some truth to that, but it's not always the case. Like we pointed out last week with uh, uh, Ferguson, for example, uh, it was found that the officer did have the right to use lethal force because Michael Brown was trying to grab his revolver from him. And, but the narrative at the time was that, you know, the Democrats were saying he had his hands up, don't shoot. Uh, it didn't matter what the facts were. Uh, they, the media started showing videos of Michael Brown, uh, in that liquor store where he was strong arming a, a clerk, I think it was for uh, some type of a cigar or something. And they were saying that that video was played because uh, they, you know, the like Fox News was being racist. But that's part of the fact pattern. You have to look at the entire picture. And then once it was found that the officer was justified, nobody changed their position. Like the right already believed that the officer was justified. The left already believed that the officer was justified. And then the Justice Department comes out with that report that I was talking about. And they say, you know, there may have been a reason for for why Michael Brown may have been as angry as he was. And there may be a reason why the African-American community within Ferguson may have uh, been as angry as they were because there was systemic racism. It doesn't mean that the that there was necessarily intent on the officers to act in racist ways. It was, they were just following orders, but the problem was, is that it resulted in racism. So once you look at the entire picture, you realize you have a very complicated situation. Does that justify Michael Brown reaching for the weapon? Hell no. Do you understand why he may be angry to begin with? Yes. Right. So that creates a very complicated situation, but we just live in a world of absolutes right now where if you... want to agree with you on like that end point of it. And I'm glad I let you talk in that you come back around to there. Um, because what I would say with it is, is that here's my gut reaction to it is when I feel someone say that, like, you know, in the, uh, Lowry fella, um, like when I watch that stuff and, and we try to think that racism, you know, doesn't play a role in it. That's like to say, that some things are absolutely nature or some things are absolutely nurture. Race always plays a role. Nature always plays a role. Nurture always plays in a role. It's not like these things are juxtaposed. There's no absolute black and there's no absolute white. It's all gray. And so to say that like, you know, there are like not everything's racist. Like, no, in my opinion, everything is racist, whether it's 1% or 99%. And obviously, we'd rather it be towards the 1%. And the goal is to minimize that. But like, how could race not 
in my view, how could place a race not play a role at all? Like that's well, all with, anyone has ever seen and been told. That's how we think we are human beings. We are taught. Oh, oh, to discriminate okay, I see. things. We are, I, I see what you're saying. We okay, are, and that's but there's a miscommunication here with how people are looking at the situation because I hear that and I see people saying or, or going like like racism isn't always there. It's not just a thing. And I see it and go, how could it not be? How can you look at somebody different than you and go, they're, they're just me. They're exactly the same. Like I just, I don't, it's like looking at a way, a a window and a door and going, going like those two things are the same. And I don't understand the difference between them at all. And I don't see why people keep bringing it up. Well, because one's a fucking door and one's a window. They're just different things. Like humans can't not see the differences in things. And when all of our lives, we've all heard about racism and things like that. How could you tell me with complete honesty that it just never pops into your mind at all, ever at any point in any time and it never influences any of your behaviors or any of your decisions it's always there. I'm not saying that, and I wish we had a different term. Okay. I think this is a huge problem. I wish we had a different term for that. Well, you're, you're, you're basically saying that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're basically saying that race plays a role based upon your upbringing and cultural influence. And so it plays a part is is that kind of what I'm hearing? Uh, I guess. <laughs> let's well, no, let's I'm just go with that for a second. I mean, I'm I'm saying that that race has always been a topic. It's always been an issue. It's always going to be in the back of your mind. Okay, it's like um, some uh, an ex girlfriend cheated on you. Okay, so mm-hmm. now, let's not say an ex girlfriend. Let's say your current significant other cheated on you. Let's say it was five years ago and you get a suspicious text. Okay. That's not to say that that person was intentionally like, like you see it and you're like, are they cheating on me again? That could not have been their intent at all, but how could it not play a role? And now that's to say, well, Paul, you're the problem. You're the one who keeps bringing it up that I cheated on you five years ago, but I'm not doing that anymore. You now are the problem because you can't get over it, Paul. And it's like, how could you not think about that? How could that just never come up anymore? At least a smidgen. Let's say you don't even say anything. Let's say you don't get jealous. Let's say you don't get angry, but you might just think it a little bit. It will always be there. I don't think we can get rid of that because I think it will always be in our history and part of a conversation. Our job is just to negate it as much as it can possibly be seen. And so the debate becomes how how racist was this thing? And it's again, I wish there was a different term because in my head, when I grew up and understand what racism meant, racist, it meant that you thought your race was superior in other ways to racist. Now it's just sort of spread to mean that you you think there are differences 
between them regardless of superiority like you could just say a stereotype and that's racist you could be like asians are good at math and you're like that's racist like well no you're saying like that asians are better than you at math yeah so you're saying they're superior and you're not but you're the racist one even though you're put it like it's it's like such a different term it's like being like oh yeah donald trump's a nazi like you're no he's not Okay, he yeah. he might like have some similar tendencies, but he's not fucking Hitler. He yeah. has not exterminated a bunch of people, lined them up, and put them in concentration camps and gone to war with everybody. Like, it's not the same thing. You can't equate the two. And so, yeah. I really wish there was some different terminology here because I think that's what it is. Like, I keep hearing people talking about defunding well, the police, and it then sounds people like stereotyping. Like, defund the police? You're just going to get rid of all of them? It's like, ah, God, couldn't you pick a different word than defund? Like, don't you realize there are connotations associated with this? And I think that's like a huge thing with the whole racism stuff is there's just so many connotations associated with these words that like that we lose each other. So to go back, I'm just saying, how could these things not play a role? Someone cheats on you. How could you not at least just think that a little bit? Sometimes it's always going to pop up. That's what you're saying saying that. Yeah, you're saying that it's it's a matter of perspective. Like if you've been cheated on in the past, uh, the, if you get, you know, you're in a different relationship and you get a text from that individual and it kind of brings up your past relationship where you were cheated on, it's hard for you to overcome that thought that you may be cheated, being cheated on again yep. in the present. And and I think that's what they were saying in this cops and, and race video. And they had two different types of views like glenn lowry was saying that they just have moral depravity and the other guy john mcwerther was like that's basically that's that's ridiculous he was basically saying like you have to look at a racist past like with uh slavery and then segregation um and then you had you know further racism in terms of making it harder for black people to vote you made it harder for them to get mortgages you had to have a white person go in there as a proxy so that you could rent an apartment because if you showed up as a black person it just wouldn't happen so he was saying that basically generation after generation uh, of black individuals have been told this is john mcwerther saying this that they have been told over and over and over again that white people are against you you can't make it it doesn't matter what the fuck you do like that is going to be your existence but you have to remember that these are coming from their parents and grandparents who when they were living their 20s experienced that stuff it was real life for them right so then you have these kids that automatically assume that the white race is geared against them. And I remember listening to Joe Rogan. This was a few years ago where he had a comedian on named Miss Pat. Her mom, Miss Pat's a black woman. Her mom told her that uh, don't trust white people and never look white people in the eye. And I remember just sitting there like driving home like, what? Yeah. Like, why? Why? And But you have to look at her grandmother and what she went through or what sure. her mother went through. That was their reality back then. Like, stay away and from so, them. And what, and what I want to say is, like, how could that childhood not still bleed into her life and her perceptions? She could go on exactly. Joe Rogan's, but that doesn't mean that that's somehow not psychologically affecting her. Well, no, but Miss Pat has overcome that. She said she used to be afraid of white people, but then she went up as a comedian and all that. And that's why you see 
like the John McWerther and the Glenn Lowry's of the world. These are, you know, the one guy's from Columbia. The other guy is a professor at Brown. You know, they're around, you know, basically white liberals all day long. And if, even if you look at a conservative like Dr. Ben Carson, he will admit that he had a very tumultuous upbringing and he was uh, prone to violence. But that's all he knew. It wasn't until he found a teacher or he found a mentor that he learned that there's an alternative perspective and he found out I can win by proving racist wrong by using my brain mm-hmm. by succeeding on a different level but the, but what John uh, McWerther was saying was that if you are a kid that doesn't have a mentor you've got a failed school system you've got a failed family structure how are you going to engage in free will to make an alternative choice when you don't know anything else outside of your bubble? Right. And the, the, you know, Glenn Lowry, the other guy was saying that it was just moral depravity, almost as if these individuals, like they should know what right and wrong is. They should know, they should know, they should know. But we know with other cases where if you have like a child that was uh, beaten at a young age and then they grow up, they have children of their own and they continue the beating with their children. It's like, well, well, didn't they know yeah. how harmful it was when they were beat? It's right. like, but they didn't know anything else. And people will say, listening to this, like, Paul, that's a fucking excuse. It's like, no, 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 no. It's an excuse and an explanation. And if you understand the why, then maybe you can actually begin to figure out a solution. That's that's a very important point. Like that I... I am often misunderstood by saying things about that where I'll say like, well, you know, this is why it happens, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so what? Then we should just not send someone who did that to jail. And it's like, whoa, whoa, because I'm telling you why it's happening does not preclude uh, the, okay, that's probably not the right term, but it does not entail uh, that I should, that we should not send the person to jail. I'm just explaining why it happened here. Um, yeah. So like uh, George, yeah, like the George Floyd situation, like um, it could turn out that that is a complicated situation. Like I think it's still, you know, the charges have gone up to something like secondary degree murder, but let's say it uh, rises to first degree murder you know, intentional murder with malice aforethought. That means that you had to have premeditation and intent. Okay, so let's say that it, it it expands beyond race. We're saying that we're not we're not saying that the uh, the actions taken by putting the knee on the neck was uh, uh, like that's wrong. That's obviously wrong. Right, but, but you're I'm saying, saying that that was we find out the intention was not motivated at all by race. No, I'm not even saying. Uh, yeah, exactly. If that we it may not. If we find out that like that action from the cop had nothing to do with race. Then what? Well, what I'm saying is that let's say, because I've heard that they had a prior relationship, Chauvin and uh, and Floyd. Sure. Okay. So let's say that that was a terrible relationship. Let's say we find out that those two hated each other, that they got in brawls in the past and everything. Mm -hmm. This may rise to first degree murder Mm -hmm. because you may be able to say they had such a hateful history that Chauvin used his ability as a police officer to intentionally kill this guy. Right. Right? And you couldn't do that with race alone 
necessarily. I mean, unless you could show that he I, intentionally did that, but that is so hard to do unless I we mean, look at his other violations. But that's what I'm saying. It's the totality of the circumstances, looking at everything. And race could have played yeah, but, a part. But I don't think anyone cares about the one thing that's going on right now. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. Fine. Yeah. We find out race wasn't involved. What about all these other instances? And oh, it, yeah. again, this isn't about shooting in the back. Like we said in Ferguson, that there that was systemic racism. Yes. That and, town was engaged in systemic racism. And, and listen, if you if you don't believe that, then you're then you're just not living in the world of facts, because I went over the 105 page report which showed over and over and over again that African-Americans were being fleeced. So yes, we still have racism. But what I'm saying is that I'm hoping that everyone will just look at the situation instead of thinking right away, I need to choose a side. And it may turn out that a lot of these situations are race motivated, but you know, the police force right now is, is largely multiracial. I mean, you're finding black cops killing black kids. Yeah. You know, and it's and it. The thing is, is that that kind of tells me that that some of this is just uh, police tactics in general, and but also the fact that uh, race plays a part because uh, African American communities have faced a ton of adversity, and their ancestors have basically said, in order to keep their children safe, like don't trust white people, like they are out to get you, and if a cop pulls you over, it's because they're trying to fuck with you. They're trying to do something horrible yeah. to you because that is actually what happened to their parents or their grandparents. It was their reality. Right. So they don't have an alternative perspective. So if you say, like, they, they have these views because it's been learned and that's what they've been told. And so they're just like, you know, so when the police officer pulls them over for something that would be warranted, you know, they're going to act in a way that is, you know... Um, you know, they're, they're trying to flee the police or run or do whatever, or reaching into their pockets or doing something that, that like I wouldn't do. Like if I get pulled over, it's like both hands on the steering wheel, all my windows rolled down. Like, you know, I was pulled over about a month ago for a taillight that was out. And I mean, it was in the middle of the night and, uh, yeah, I mean, I have my uh, dome light on, I have both hands on the, the steering wheel, like I make sure that I'm completely compliant. But if you've been told your whole entire life that, that, you know, all of the cops that are pulling you over, like it's, it's always racism because in the past, a large, a large majority of the time right. it, it really was, right. it really was. And that, that, that cultural mentality hasn't left yet. So how do you change sure. that and bridge the gap? It's, that's where you have to start looking for solutions. And that's why if there is a failed school system and the kids aren't learning and they're not learning alternative perspectives, how could you expect any of this stuff to change? And it's not an excuse. It's just an explanation. And once right. you, uh, you know. I mean, so. I, I think you're right with all that. I think a lot of what we're seeing here is just um, cultural and handed down and, um you know, it is where we need to start focusing and targeting our solutions. Like we have to understand how somebody is thinking and feeling so that we can change the way that they're creating an environment for their children. Otherwise what's going to happen in 30 years, they are going to be telling their kids just what their grandparents told them. And we're still going to have some of this stuff going on. So Exactly. To me, it becomes largely about perception and feelings and less well, that, about facts because 
that's what we're trying to change here. And a fact isn't going to change someone's feelings. And that's why conservatives need to do a better job than they do. Like, you know, I've uh, seen some of Candace Owens uh, material and everything, and it, it's like a safe space for conservatives. It's like, well, see, a black person is saying that it's not racist and we don't experience racism and it doesn't exist. And see, 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 see. And I'm just like, OK, the overwhelming majority of African-Americans are saying that we have been impacted, that race is a factor. Why is it so hard to see someone else with a different perspective? And if you're just watching the, the, the protests from home and you're just seeing this this chaos and everything and you're just looking at them as like, oh, it's just craziness. Why not just go down there and do what I did? And go, go talk to these individuals and try to bridge a gap and see, like, what are they really thinking? Ask them yeah. questions. Try to understand instead of, you know, running over to Candace Owens and just being like, oh, well, see, she's saying that nothing is racist and everything is, is perfect. And they just need to find God and just pick themselves up by their bootstraps. And that, I mean, that's what we all did. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I would probably be dead right now if it was uh, if it wasn't for my mom and sister, like, you know, showing me different perspectives and yeah. showing me like alternatives. If she just if my if my mom and sister just would have been like, you know, you just need to get your shit together and uh, and, uh, you know, bootstrap and pick yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. It wouldn't have been effective, but they, they tried to give me a different perspective at a time where I was just in a, in a, in a dark place. And I that mean, helped that me is, over time to, to, to get back to where I am, you know, and yeah, I'm thankful for that. There's this issue and we all sort of have it where we don't, we we don't give ourselves the credit I suppose we deserve sometimes. And then we expect everybody else to just get something and understand something. Right. Um, and so we, we go, well, like, why don't they just pick themselves up from their bootstraps? And you look at those people and it's like, yeah, says the person who's fucking super disciplined and shit. Do you realize the rest of us suck at that? Like the rest of us are not disciplined. You have a gift. Okay. Not everybody can do what you do. That's like me, you know, being like, well, uh, why doesn't everybody just understand math? Like, it's like, uh, because when I was young, I was really smart at math. Me going, well, don't you get it? Like, come on. It's simple. Like you should just understand like, okay, that's not going to help you understand math. Well, Paul, but I told you how to do uh, 17 times 32 before, and we got the answer, so you should just know. And it's like, well, I got it wrong. Like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. Just, you know, you should know already. It's like, but I don't, and I'm not getting it. And like, like, you know, and I'm I'm sort of doing the same thing, right? I'm sort of saying like I'm up here ranting and I'm saying like I don't get why people don't understand human behavior and it's like because because Bob, oh, yeah. you studied human behavior. Cut you know, cut everybody else some slack that they aren't able to understand this stuff. I have a gift. I'm lucky. I lucked out and figured out what I did and that it applies to life in the ways that I see it. Help them understand. But again, 
it's about feelings and it's about emotions. And I'm not trying to say like it's touchy feeling. I'm saying we get fucking pissed off quick and all that shit goes out the window. I'm not trying to say, oh, yeah. it's about how I feel right now. And, you know, it's my emotions and this and that. What I'm trying to say is humans, as logical as we can try to be, our emotions really change a situation quickly. It's why, you know, uh, a black person who gets pulled over and a white person who gets pulled over, it's like, well, why don't they just, you know, why didn't that black person just do what you did, Paul, and keep their hands on the steel? Well, why did they start getting upset? Why don't they do what I do? You know what I do when a cop pulls me over um, and they go license and registration? I say, my registration's in the glove box. I'm going to open it right now. Is that okay if I do that? <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, my yeah. ID is in my wallet. I'm going to grab it right now. Is that okay? Yeah. I like, I ask everything. It's like, well, why don't, why don't the blind people just do that when they get pulled over? Who knows? Maybe they do. Okay. Yeah. We just see some of the ones who aren't doing that. And probably all white people don't do that either. Um, and it's like, but now you're trying to say how they should emotionally react to something. And that's just what, like that person could be not doing it because they're just pissed off and they're feeling like it's racist. And it's that yeah. thing in the motion where it's like, you could tell this person all the logical things you want and they might agree with you and then get in that situation and it all goes out the window because of their split second emotional internal reaction that we just don't have a lot of control over. So you could say, pick yeah. yourselves up by your bootstraps all you want and that they should just change it. But that doesn't do shit. Yeah. And the left, uh, the left doesn't do a good job of doing that either. No, we you know, don't. I don't do a good job of doing it. I'm saying like, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what I started this off by saying is like, I've got a gift yeah. and I should understand this, but I, I, I get caught up in the emotion myself. And I, I still feel an emotional reaction, like when I see certain stuff on Twitter, but I just try to rebalance myself. Like I don't, you know, I haven't talked to that person. I don't know. Maybe they're, they had a bad day at work or they're super frustrated, or maybe they're just the blabbermouth that just, you know, goes out and trolls and just wants to say awful shit all the yeah. time. And, you know, and I just have to kind of let it roll off my shoulders because I don't know who this person is. I mean, for all I know, it could be just a Russian propagandist. I have no idea. <laughs> True. But but we, we we just, you know, the left will be like, oh, well, I'm not going to talk to a Trump supporter because they're all racist. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, well, how do you know? Why don't you go talk to them? God, how is the you know? left not fucking feel betrayed or cheated on? By their party. That's what I wonder. Like, you mean with electing Joe Biden or bring? Yeah, having Joe totally Joe Biden, uh, Obama's second presidency or term. I mean, like, you know, earlier we were talking about like feeling cheated on, and then when people do things in the future and your perception of that, and it's like I don't yeah. understand how people who have been Democrats for the past twenty years are still Democrats. Like, I literally feel like it's. It's this person who I thought was really pretty and I liked, but they fucking cheated on me. And so I'm just like, enough's enough, man. Like, I, I well, like yeah. you and we have a lot of fun yeah. together and we, you know, we like all the same things. But like, like you've just got some independent, yeah, completely flawed with your personality where you just lie to people and do whatever the fuck you want. Like, well, they pander. It's so they, fake. They, they pander. No, it's all, it's all fake. It's all pandering, yeah. but you know, that's what politicians do. I mean, that that's just, and that's the problem with the process itself. Like I would think that with the, uh, the next round, like, you know, uh, not this election, but the next election, let's say next presidential election, I would like to see all of the democratic, uh, candidates 
basically come together and say, we refuse to hold any debates or be a part of anything having to do with the Democratic National Committee because they constantly talk about the people and doing right for the people. And yet we get Hillary Clinton yeah. and we get we get Joe Biden, a guy that is clearly having problem thinking. You think yes. that he goes up against Trump in a debate and, you know, Trump's going to be like, hey, do you even know that you're here? <laughs> Like, you know, and he's going to be like, and I'm not making fun of someone that has a problem. It's just clear that he has a problem. Yeah, like, no, I know. It's like, you know, and this is what we get. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. That's why I've asked like some, uh, some of my friends that are going to vote for Trump again. I've just asked them like, this is the bed, the best that God has. Like, this is his servant. And they're like, well, you know, a, God, I'm like, like, I'm just like, can't we do better but at the same time trump is a reflection of the people trump acts the way that the people act both on the left and the right for the longest time democrats like with Mitt romney he put a dog carrier on top of his car and had it took his dog on a cross country trip Uh and everyone's like oh he's an animal abuser and yet i would drive down the 405 freeway look over and someone would have a hillary clinton bumper sticker on the back of the car i would look over and see this lady with her little like foofer McFoofer doodle on her front lap. <laughs> and if if she gets in an accident in her brand new car, that dog is gonna explode against her own chest. Yeah. Because of the airbag. Yep. And yet she's not an animal abuser, but that was the problem with the left is that everything was racist and like every, you know, animal abuser, even with Mitt Romney, they're like, well, why, why don't you have more women uh, in your cabinet and all that? And why are you considering more women? And then he was like, well, I've got binders full of women. And they're like, oh, binders full of women. You think that uh, having a bunch of pages filled with uh, applications of women that may, you may consider is the same thing as like you could not win. Right. You could not win. So it got to such a point that finally Republicans are like, you know what? We want the orange orangutan in office that just says, fuck you to everyone. You guys are all just a bunch of whiny pussies. Yeah, and I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. So it's like, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy where Democrats have been saying all this shit all the time. And then all of a sudden, Republicans are like, you know what? We just don't even give a shit about your feelings like at all because all of you whine about everything that we do and that's why i wish that both sides like could see you know we could bridge the gap and just be a little bit more sensitive to uh each other's needs right you know and i think we would find a lot of commonalities in that and then the nation would be better for it and my worry is that uh things get so bad that it's just a matter like every single election will just about be about who can who can yell the loudest who can say fuck you the most right and and then the only thing that's going to suffer is the nation itself. And if the nation suffers, then the people that's suffer. Like, you know, to be honest, that's the only time change occurs is when things get bad. It's going to have to get bad enough for everyone to get fed up and do something different. Right. So um, someone commented the other day, like, this is a major election. Now is not the time to be considering a third party candidate, especially one that cannot win. I'm all for it, but blah, 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 this and that. And it's like, my response is nobody's going to vote for a third party candidate when everybody's happy and things are going well. So I don't know when you think the time is, if it's just never, but like, you know, if you try to elect a libertarian back when things were going great and everybody was happy, like 
that's not going to happen either. So I don't know what you're thinking. Should we just never change the two party system? You're saying you're, you're dissatisfied with it, but now's not the time to do it. Let's do it when things are good and we're satisfied with it. Like that is a paradox to me. That is, you know, that's coming from somebody who is like, you need to vote for Biden. They weren't like, this is, you know, a really important election. Uh, A lot of things are on the line here. You got to make sure to vote for Trump. They were like, you know, scare tactic. You should be voting for Biden. The yeah. Democrats are a hundred times better on every issue. No, they speak as if they're a hundred times better on half of the issues. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I don't know. I, I'd like to say I agree with Democrats in general, but I became f- somewhat fiscally conservative. But the only reason I'm fiscally conservative is because all the tax money just gets wasted anyways. So I'm like, yeah, it's so yeah. hard to sit here and like, like well, that's how I am. I'm socially liberal. I, you know, I, I think everyone should have yeah. uh, the equal right to pursue freedom in any way they want. But like, I agree you know, with a lot of the taxes that they propose. I'm just like, but it's not going to do the thing they want it to do. So I don't, I don't exactly. want to say I'm fiscally conservative because I think the money, like I think the idea is a good idea and I do want to put money towards it. I just don't think they're going to accomplish that idea. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the issue. Um, that I have with it. And so I've become fiscally conservative because I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that sounds great, but it's not going to fucking do anything. It's not going to do what, what someone says it's going to do. So yeah, I don't know. And the conservatives, all they hear is like the left leaning, uh, extreme rhetoric where, you know, you'll have like an, you know, Antifa, uh, or anarchists and there's, they're not indicative of the democratic party, but the right will do the same thing with fear mechanisms. It's just like, Oh, they're globalists or, Oh, they're communists or, Oh, they're socialists. And like, we all go to extremes on either side and it allows us to live in fear, to just live in an isolated bubble and then to throw bombs when we end up talking to the other side and we only end up hurting ourselves and we end up perpetuating the status quo. Like you said with Biden, I don't, we need to perpetuate the status quo. Yeah. I, I have gotten to the point where I don't understand why anyone would want to adopt and endorse any ideology, right? I think I might have started to say this. I was having a conversation with a friend, Shane, like three or four years ago. Um, and I was like somewhat defending communism, right? He's like, well, look at, you know, look at this country and look at what happened there and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, those things are not what communism is. And he's like, he's like, yeah, but it's what happens every time someone tries to enact communism. And that's the same thing. And I'm like, no, it's not blah, 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 this and that. And then like a few minutes later in the conversations, I'm like, Christians this and Christians that. And he's like, Hey, can I just say that, that the representation of Christians aren't actually what Christianity is saying? And it was like the exact opposite, uh, or like exactly what I was saying about communism. I'm like, Hey dude, like this is not communism. People aren't doing it. And he's saying, well, this isn't Christianity. People aren't doing Christianity, but I don't hear you over here defending it. And it's like, now I think the same thing with like, like the idea of a Democrat and a Republican. It's like, why are you protecting the, like, like here's this idea and it's great, but like no one's fucking doing it. Well, but yeah, that's why we have to. But the thing is, is that we're so busy pointing the finger at the other side that we're not pointing the finger at ourselves. Yeah. Like it, just a quick example. Um, the first black mayor of Chicago, Harold Washington, uh, he was elected by his uh, black constituents because they wanted him to do to white people what white people had been doing to the black community. Mm-hmm. The black community didn't get the same resources as, as the white community. Their school systems were much poor. The police force wasn't there for them. If anything, they were doing terrible things to the black community. So they elected Harold Washington and Harold Washington got in there and he's like, no. 
He's like, I'm not going to do to the other side what they were doing to us. Right. I'm going to treat both sides equally. And, you know, he lost a lot of his constituents, but he did right. the right thing. It's like with Martin Luther King. The last thing you want to do is react violently. Let the government be the violent ones and let it be on television. Let the people see that we are uh, marching peacefully and then show the response by the police force, you know, with dogs being sicked on us and having fire hose turned on yeah. us. Let them see for themselves that racism exists, that this exists. And that was very important and transformative. It was right. just like, you know, uh, but I think we need to do more of that kind of stuff. But you're right. Uh, both sides say they um, adhere to a certain type of rhetoric, like the right will say freedom, but there's always an asterisk next yeah. to that, right? They like it's not freedom absolute. That. Exactly. It's like freedom of ideas, freedom of expression, to, to hold ideas uh, personally, perfectly acceptable like that's that's what we should be pushing for right. but then when you pass laws to subjugate you know the popular thing is gay marriage or even donald trump did away with the rights for transsexuals under the hhs i mean how is that freedom it, it isn't i'm not you're, sure what that is what's the HHS? oh uh, health and health and human services well uh obama expanded the definition of sex Basically, doctors can't discriminate based upon your sex. And Obama said that that includes transsexual individuals. And Trump just did away with that a few days ago. Okay. Um, and so it's not about freedom. And they'll say, oh, well, it's religious freedom. We have the, the right to be free from that. But you already have that right. You, I mean, you don't have to associate with transsexuals. Yeah. You don't have to go to transsexual meetings or whatever. Like you don't have to engage in it. And yet they pass laws to prevent them from exercising their own freedoms. And that seems the opposite of freedom itself. And then Democrats are just as hypocritical in other avenues where they, they say you shouldn't be able to silence my voice. And now they're taking, uh, they're basically smiling and laughing at the fact that, that liberal institutions are silencing conservatives. Sure. And that's what I'm saying is that Democrats are going to end up doing to conservatives what conservatives have typically done to Democrats because conservatives for a very long time were the social majority and that's not the case anymore. Right. And I don't see two wrongs making a right. I just want freedom just so long as the other person isn't preventing you from doing what you want to do as a free society. Yeah. You know, you can't impose your right to freedom. Can't keep other, another person from pursuing their version of freedom. So we have to kind of work together in this. Um, but both sides are, end up being hypocritical and they end up engaging in, uh, logical relativism, which is just a logical fallacy. Like we talked about in last episode, it's like, Oh, well, it's okay if we do it, but it's not okay if they do it. Yeah. And it's like, you can't hold those two views. That's, that's a fallacy. Either it's right or it's wrong. There can be nuance in there. There can be some gray area, but you know, uh, yeah, I think we just have to do better in a general sense and both sides have to, to be better. And yeah. I don't really see that happening anytime soon. No. And it's like you said, we got to start refocusing on solutions. I think a fallacy is, is that, um, 
people say you can't uh, you can't start on solutions until you've diagnosed what the problem is. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily true, right? That's like saying, well, you can't start trying to treat yourself uh, for being sick unless you know exactly how you're sick. And it's like, so because I'm sick, I shouldn't start getting extra sleep. Because I'm because I'm sick, I shouldn't start trying to eat healthier and drink plenty of fluids, even though I don't know what illness I have. I can't start doing those things. Yeah. Um, I think we need to really start looking for solutions, even if we don't know exactly what the problem is. We need to start just trying some things that we might know will generally help and appease some people while we try and figure out what those things are. And you might say, well... That just might make the symptoms go away of something underlying and bigger. What if you think you have the flu, but you really have cancer and getting extra sleep and drinking extra water makes the symptoms go away from now, but it comes back even worse. Okay. Um, And I don't know. I don't know what to say to that, but all I say is that um, I don't think that uh, there's a lot of reason not to at least start trying and that we won't figure it out along the way. Um, look, yeah. we're coming up on about an hour and a half here. Um, we did have uh, a question posed um, on Instagram from our last uh, our last episode. Um, and I don't know if it's specifically in response to the last episode, but um, someone wanted some insight into the rights of protests. Um, Can cities uh, enact curfews um, that interfere with people's rights to protest or shut down protests and silence them in those ways, Um, even if the curfews have to do with something else like COVID and social distancing? Like, Is it the city's rights, the state's rights? Is it federal rights? What goes on here? Do you know about this stuff? Yeah, it's just a um, it's a First Amendment right that you have the right, the freedom of association, the freedom of public speech that can be this is a very complicated subject matter and it's very broad. So there's a lot of different avenues you can go with this. Um, But basically, it's the government can't restrict your freedom to protest or exercise your First Amendment rights. But that is always, just like with every right, it's subject to a balancing test and there are exceptions to the general rule. And if you have a curfew, that would be considered a prior restraint on free speech. And that is held to the highest constitutional uh, scrutiny standard, which means... What does means that mean when you hold something to the highest scrutiny standard? The government, the, the, that means that the Supreme Court will basically say, you have to, government, if you're restricting... Uh, someone's ability to protest or the right to speak in a public, you know, forum like a public park or a sidewalk or a city. Mm-hmm. We're going to presume that you don't have a valid reason because that is that is such an ingrained uh, aspect of our society and our system of government. Well, what you know, if we want the people were turning into riots? Like, what do you think about yes, the whole idea of police well, that's, showing up in riot gear at certain places where riots had not even happened? Well, that's a precautionary measure, and I think that's happened throughout time. I mean, as long as they're not. Um, engaging in anything that would be looked at as unconstitutional, which we have seen examples of police officers being excessive and that'll end up going through the court system. But specifically as it pertains to curfews, 
it's it's held up under or it's it's subjected to a strict scrutiny standard and that just means that it's supported um that the curfew is supported by a compelling state uh interest that is narrowly tailored to serve the curfew objective so it has to be compelling and it has to be narrowly tailored so that just means that there has to be other avenues open for speech so like okay you're allowed to protest during the day but we're going to enact a a curfew between 11 p.m and 6 a.m and you're not and, and it's viewpoint neutral it's content neutral so it doesn't matter what group you are right. you just have to be indoors at that point so in other words the types of curfews and things that were enacted a few weeks ago in California were legal because a it didn't discriminate against ideology of the type of protest and B they were given mm-hmm. another um, yeah. time in which they could still have their message heard in the same location. Yes. And and specifically, it's the Supreme Court has said that the right may be curtailed when a community has been ravaged by flood, fire or disease or when its safety and welfare are otherwise threatened. Which so is that would be extremely, extremely vague. Um, it is vague, but that's why it has to be supported. So if right. someone was to challenge a, a curfew, they would have to go before, you know, have it rise up through the court system, through the appellate system. And there's a chance that uh, because the strict scrutiny is so hard for the government to overcome, there is a chance that it could be found unconstitutional. Right. Um, and but in this case, I'll give you an example of Santa Maria, which is the town that's adjacent to the town that I'm living in right now. When the protest first started, they were extremely peaceful and there was no curfew in place. But after the daytime protests, things changed at night and they ended up breaking into the local mall. They ended up uh, burning uh, stuff in the street. Just things started to get out of hand. So the very next day, they issued a curfew. And under the Supreme Court guidelines, you would be able to restrict that act, that activity because you still have another means of protesting, but right. the protest must occur during the day. Yeah. So that's how they basically do it. Like everything within the Constitution is not absolute. Right. I mean, it's always subject to a balancing test. And the First Amendment gets even more complicated when you're talking about, you know, public forums, the traditional public forums. That's basically... Basically, free speech at that point is is almost an absolute right, subject to the balancing test that I just said. Yeah. Because those are traditional public forums; they're like public parks and sidewalks. And there's and then there's uh, uh, basically like a semi-public forum, and those are uh, kind of like schools. But then there's non-public forums, and that is subject to a rational basis review. And the government could basically cite any reason to restrict free speech in those areas Which and those are like military like bases or oh okay a military, a military base. base okay yeah so like that's a that's a business like i couldn't have i no, couldn't no, no, restrict no, that, my employees right to protest like at work but that's you doing that that's not government action the first amendment applies to government action so if the government you know a military base that's a government yeah. uh, area if they were to say you know what, um, we don't want anyone on here because that's a risk to national security. The court would be like, yep, fine, perfect, yep. rational basis, you you pass a test. Which it's because they, those traditionally have, aren't free speech forums. Yeah, they have yeah. since 9-11. I mean, you used to be able to just go onto a military base without any ID, drive through, do whatever the fuck you want. Now it's like, you know, yeah. where are you going? Who are you? Why? Yep. You were here a week ago. Why are you here again? You know, and like, yeah, it's a mini interrogation. It's nothing to whatever. I'm just like, whatever. Call my family. Like, 
not like I've got like some big family. I'm just saying, call my family on the base and, and or I'll, I'll just park my car here and they can pick me up and I can get in there. Like they don't check my ID once I'm in the car. So, you know, yeah, it is, it is it their ability to check. Is that rationally related to a, a governmental purpose? Absolutely. You could just be like, yeah, well, we've had uh, examples of terrorism. Uh, yeah. We're uh, we have secrets on the base that we don't want exploited. So, yep. And the court would be like, yeah, that's fine. And I, I will say I don't feel like majorly infringed upon when I go and do that. I don't like throw a fit and be like, this is against my rights. I should be able to come and go as I please. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. It's a small section of my life that I have to deal with. Um, exactly. All right. Well, look, we're over an hour and a half here. Um, I, I could keep going. I really want to start digging in and talking about some ideas on solutions and hammering out details and stuff. But um, I think we save that for next episode. Yeah, that works for me. Otherwise, yeah, the podcast will end up going for another hour or two. Or eight. Um, All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. That was episode 11 of Wayward Weekly, and we will see you next week. (laughs) 